Hey guys, welcome to the Wellside Podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm a pastoral intern at Living Word Bible Church, where I'm responsible for youth and young adult ministries. I'm also a part-time student at the Southern Seminary. Every week, I'll be sitting down with my good friend Alexi, and we are going to be talking about both the beauty and the complexity of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. Hey, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast. This is episode number four. My name's Andre, and I'm here with my friend Alexi Chaika. How's it going, man? It's going all right. Surviving. Yeah, yeah. You've had a crazy couple of weeks. Um, so we're going to interject a new, a new little question here in the beginning of every podcast. Uh, you know, with all the negativity, all the different things that people are worried about in the world today, uh, we want to shed light on the goodness, the truth, and the beauty of life every time, at least for five minutes before we dive into some more serious stuff. So, Lexi, tell me something good today. Something good. Man, Anything at all. We live in the land where you can have practically anything you want. Uh, I just look... You can have jetpacks. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I just look back at where I came from, man. I was, I, my grandparents had a couple cows. And as I, when I was seven years old, my routine was wake up in the morning, grab those cows, go out to the fields for about four hours, bring them back at noon. I had three hours to ride the bicycle. I was a little kid. And then I grab the cows again and I go out for a couple, about four to five more hours until the evening. That was my routine. I was seven years old. Wow. You had had the hardcore experience. Of the Here village life. we are. <laughs> yeah. Never had that. I was, um, I was, I guess we lived in the city in Russia, and then we moved over here. We lived in city, and I never really had to lead cows into any pastures. But that must must give you some, some awesome memories, probably. Oh, yeah. It, it, you look back, and it, it's, uh, I can really compare it to, let's say, the job I have right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I have a nice laptop. I have a desk that I can bring up and down. It's an inside job, climate controlled. You know, you get paid. It doesn't smell quite it, the same. It doesn't smell the same. It's very different. And being in in one <laughs> extreme, so to speak, into another, just it makes you really appreciate everything that's in between, everything you never had, and ev- everything that you kind of also lost. Yeah. Because there is beauty in that natural world too. Yeah. Yeah, the simplicity. I'm always thinking about the fact that, you know, um, People back in the day, and again, I'm not trying to be all nostalgic about life as a golden age back in the day. There's problems in every age of human yeah. history. But the simplicity of life, think about the simplicity of life. I, when, you know, In the evening when we are getting into bed, lots of times my wife is on her phone, I'm on my phone, or I'm on tablet reading a book or on my laptop doing something. Like, Think about all the time you would have had if there was no such thing as technology. If all you had was paper, pencils, and books. Yeah. And... And how much, and you know, and so you see that when you read older people, people from the, you know, a couple hundred years ago, how they write, how they think. Yeah. Um, but you're still happy that you're here because we can record this podcast. Oh, yeah. Because technology is real. And yep. because of technology, I have this amazing little latte, you know, yeah. to give me the podcasting vibes, to get my caffeine yeah. uh, levels to the proper, you know. Sometimes I wonder how it would look if we were podcasting a hundred years ago. I bet we'd be sitting at the market somewhere in the corner. We'd have a table, and then there would be like a gathering of people. We would be scribbling on on little uh, 
pieces of leather, right? And then somehow copying it and, and pasting it all over the village. That would be our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, speaking of the golden age or the old age of how things used to be, my sister uh, recently sent me an article. Uh, so, you know, San Francisco, San Jose, Cupertino, the area of all of the tech companies. Mm-hmm. Brainiacs, people that live work, literally. And it's a new trend. They all started bringing in uh, into their backyards chicken coops and mm. chickens mm-hmm. so they can come home and separate themselves and really look oh, at that's, kind that's of funny. just like relaxing. That's and it, you have these millionaires that get these chicken coops in their backyards just so they can, in a way, survive because sitting behind a computer all day coming home that's having hilarious. a computer, it's, you can't do that. And That's funny. So, okay, so then I'll <laughs> say my good thing, right? Go for okay. It. In connection to this, if you got on me on this vibe – of, of nature and stuff like that. You know, I was really thinking today, I'm so thankful to have a home and a, and, and a, and a house with a big property. Well, it's not a big property. It's like, it's a pretty big backyard though. Yep. And grass, lots of grass. And over the past three years, uh, this grass has been a pain in the neck every summer, literally pain in the neck. Uh, mowing it takes hours and dust and grass flying all over the place and you're dirty and sweaty and aching, right? But... Today, as I was mowing my lawn for the first time this year, smelling the fresh cut grass smell, <laughs> I was just thinking, I am so thankful to have uh, to have a home where I had to spend these last three years working on it, working with my hands, working in the dirt, um, valuing my valuing um, the the atmosphere, the place that God put me in, uh, valuing the beauty of work and nature and how good it feels after you've like cleaned the yard and mowed the lawn and ordered everything. You sit back, you look at it and it's just like clean cut grass, fresh smell, sun shining. There's a specific kind of pleasure and value there that is just, you can't get anywhere else. And I'm so, and I'm not that kind of person, I guess, by nature, you know, if, if I had no other forces pulling me in other directions in my life, I'd probably be, you know, spending most of the time with books talking to people and, um, you know, not definitely not digging in the dirt. So (laughs) it's interesting. We're coming back to the one thing that where it all started, the garden of Eden, the actual, actual cultivating. Yeah. Cultivating. cultivating. So we'll, and we'll probably do an episode on that, um, later. So anyways, we are happy. We're good. We're positive. Spring is coming. The sun is in the air. Um, we haven't talked for a couple of weeks. We haven't. We took a small break. Let's Although recap. Our listeners won't know. Probably, it. yeah. They're probably like, well, "What are you talking about?" We just yeah. had last week. So, what did we spend the first couple of weeks talking about? We talked about the fact that uh, being a Christian and a follower of Christ is changing for all of us. Um, it's changing in a culture that is rapidly evolving. The questions being asked to somebody who is a young person who is a believer in Christ. Um, those questions are multiplying. And so I guess the goal was to call attention to the simple fact that to be an honest, awake, alert Christian in this world is very challenging. And it means living in, in, in a world of change. And it means asking very careful questions about what does the change around me in the world mean for change in my faith? How much 
of my experience as a Christian must be changing with the world, how much of my experience as a Christian must be not changing with the world. So to live as a Christian today means to live under the pressure of these questions. The only other option is that you're closing yourself away from reality. Yeah. You know? So today I want to ask, I want to throw the emphasis or shed light on kind of the other side of the struggle, right? So we live in a changing culture. We live in a changing church context for many of us, especially if you're like an immigrant, you know, church kid like us, Yep. right? Coming from like a Russian Baptist world, which is a whole, a whole circus of itself. Yep. Um, into we're we're English speaking. Um, our church context is increasingly English speaking. Um, the other side of this whole struggle is to look around at the world, at the reality of the fact that change is all around us in the culture. And when you live in this world and have relationships and talk with people, when you read the news, when you interact with the world around you, you you, you are faced with this question. Um, why is it that you Christians, that your faith, that to you, to be a consistent believer, a faithful believer, that you seem to be clinging to faith um, so much, despite the fact that the rest of the world seems to be moved by facts, by technology, by science, by advances in um in every direction mm-hmm. but we face this i think one of one of the challenges of being a christian in this world is this collision of quote unquote faith and facts right mm-hmm. so the question is why do we as christians seem to be clinging to faith so much when the rest of the world is moving on with facts and science and technology or the other way to frame this question and again this is like a practical question that you may get asked at lunch break right yeah. at work and we um, do why why can't we just simplify our beliefs and values and um and hold on to our values and the things that we love but stop talking about all this magical faith stuff all this God talk, all this God creating the universe, God speaking from the sky to Moses, um, all these kind of crazy sounding things. When the world we live in today, like one, um, like one um, critic of Christianity said, uh, you know, I use a I use a electronic razor. I believe in technology. I, fl- I flip the light switch and the light comes on. I don't believe in talking snakes. Okay, so... I think I know. <laughs> so what seems to be the collision there is... Come on, people. I know that faith used to be this big thing that dominated the world back in the ages when science didn't really exist. But today, science and facts rule the world. And... Yep. And why are you holding on to this this faith stuff? Faith is more of a personal thing. It could mold. It can bend. It's not as essential as the facts that dominate the world today. So I know that was a loaded question, but what's what's your first gut reaction to, to a set of questions of that of that type at lunch break, say? I never really got asked it in in that way, but 
I came he just acro- did. <laughs> I came across those themes. I gotta say, it's a, the main reason why everything started was because of my parents. I saw them live out the life of believing, and that became my nature. Mm-hmm. See that. That's an odd reason, though, right? To yeah, start but you're an educated kid. You went to school. You got your degree. Everything is inconclusive. Um, it's all—it's like a theory based on a theory based on a theory, chain of theories, and but they're all hanging on. And there isn't. How would you say it? Man, that's a tough one. Ah, <laughs> I don't know where to start. Do you find yourself under the pressure of the facts of this world? Yeah, especially when it comes down to. The creation versus evolution, mm-hmm. the whole idea of the old earth. The beginning. I was talking with a Christian guy, geologist, retired geologist, Christ, geologist, Christian. Mm-hmm. I met him at Whitworth when I was taking uh, one of the seminary classes. And I asked him, what do you think? And he's like, I went to Canada. They had some sort of a crater. And he's like, I was studying it. And he's like, and I looked at those rocks. And he's like, they were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds thousands of years old he looked at me and he said that and i wasn't sure what to do i wasn't sure what to do and then you just there's so many details so many things you have to deal with Mm -hmm. i get lost yeah i gotta be honest man i get lost it's good it's a good honest response because i I think most of our listeners are going to be like well Uh, um, uh, yeah Where do you go with this? Get with the program. That's what the world tells you, right? Get with the program, man. We live in a scientific age. Stop believing all this miracle stuff, all this God created the world in six days. Uh, Faith, we are told, faith and facts, they stand next to each other in life. And faith, faith is a personal thing. Faith is something that helps you fill in the gaps and get through the hard moments. But facts are what we build our life on. And facts determine how we see things and so especially in a politically charged environment you're going to hear this right you're going to say you're going to hear something like you know keep your faith to yourself let's keep let's keep the faith out of the public square let's let's hold let's stick to the facts Uh right yeah so um how do we respond as christians to something like this Anything else you want to throw out there before I unfold the amazing answer? No, I actually want no, to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> there's so many, so, so many things out there. From every corner, you have someone disproving God, yeah. saying how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. And as just one person who is not even educated in one area to deal with these issues, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to deal with everything? But inside of me, I do have... The witness of the Holy Spirit, the fact that God exists. Yeah. So you're like, you God is know. real. I know, but I don't really know how to respond to all this. How do, how do you explain it? Yeah. How do you explain it? So I think here, here's here's how to, we can unpack the question. Mm-hmm. First of all, we ask this question, wait a minute, but where? what is the relationship between faith and facts? What is the relationship between faith and facts? And probably to unpack it most easily is to ask yourself, well... What are facts, really? What are facts? So, for example, let's take one aspect of our culture today that is most fact-driven, science, right? Mm -hmm. So how could you, maybe in your own words, summarize what is science? Science, uh, you measure, you think, you measure, you prove, 
there you go. And mm-hmm. then you got an answer and then you start building on it more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, I think one definition, I, I, I looked up a few official definitions mm-hmm. and um, one, well, a basic definition that we probably agree with. Science is the discipline of using our powers of reason to observe, measure, uh, study the laws of nature and to learn from them, to harness their power, to turn those laws of, of nature, the structures of nature uh, to our advantage and to be able to use them to make the world a better place, right? That's yep. kind of a basic summary there. That's what we do in science. Science is all about facts. It's about studying the world around us and about using what we have learned to make the world a better place. So um, nothing mystifying about that. But then again, let's ask a couple of questions. Let's look at this definition of science. Um, what, so, so an outsider may say, wait a minute. Okay. So the whole thing hinges on three big things in this definition, human powers of reason, uh, the structures and laws of nature and three to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So what is human, the, the powers of human reason and logic? What are or how do we know that nature operates by laws? Like, can you hold one of those laws in your hand? Can you measure it? You can observe how it works, but how do we know that there are laws and structures in nature? Yeah, how we do we know it's not chaotic? <laughs> uh, and why are we trying to make the world a better place? So uh, now... Ooh, I see where you're going. With so I've... So, and again, this is just an example, but if, if... And you can take these questions down a lot of rabbit trails, but the basic thing that we got to see here is this. When you, when you look at these questions that are basically building up definition of science, of the discipline of facts, you realize that at the very core of science is a set of assumptions. We believe in the powers of human intelligence. We believe that the human mind is a real thing and that our human mind makes good, proper observations and conclusions. That the human mind has a powerful to make conclusions, to learn, Okay. We believe that nature is structured by laws and and that it is it operates by principles that control nature and that nature is consistent. So you can mm-hmm. measure the pond today and you can measure the pond tomorrow and you're measuring the same kind of water. The water didn't turn into lava or into liquid yeah. metal, right? So there's structure and consistency in nature. And we are trying to make the world a better place. That means that something's wrong with the world. Now, you take these three assumptions, the powers of human reason, the laws of nature, and the need to make the world a better place. Where did you get those ideas? Where did we get this idea that the human mind is a powerful machine that can be trusted? Where did we get the idea that we need to make the world a better place? How can we prove those definitions? And um, what you see, and you can start trying to explain each of those, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you're going to keep giving explanations, explanations. At the end of the day, you realize this. Before the scientist comes to the desk, before the scientist comes into the lab, he is already operating on certain assumptions that he can't prove. You cannot prove that the human mind is real versus it's not being real. You can't prove it. You just have to take it by faith. You know what? Our brain is a yeah. real thing, and I'm going to use it today. I'm going to use it right now. Can't prove it. You can't prove that the world, um, that you can make the world a better place or that, that, that there's a certain goodness that you need to bring into the world. Now, these are assumptions. 
right? Yeah. But you know they're real. You just can't prove them. Yeah. So what do you call something that you know is real, but you can't prove it? Faith. <laughs> oh. So. That's a good one. That's a good one. I didn't see that coming. So mm-hmm. at the basis of this science enterprise, the whole enterprise of science, there are faith assumptions yeah. that power the whole science thing. So in reality, faith and facts are not two separate entities. The reality is everybody and everything in this world that is part of human culture operates on faith assumptions that cannot be proven. At the end of the day, we all put our belief in something that we can't prove. At the end of the day, we are believing in some source of answers, some source of fulfillment that nobody can prove. Now, that the interesting thing about this observation is that um, when we're talking to people around us and they're challenging us as if we're the only ones with faith assumptions, you have to realize that every single person and every single worldview, every single challenge to the Christian faith rests on its own faith assumptions. So, so easily people laugh at this idea, oh, God spoke from the sky and God wrote a book. Ha, 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 we know that doesn't happen. Okay, you, um, but what does happen then? Oh, well, we know everything because it evolved by random chance through chaos and long periods of time and energy working in the world. Okay, so how, but but how how do you know that, and how do you know if that's the answer that your conclusions of life are, are are valid? How can you trust your own mind? You know. Yeah. So when when I think a lot of the times inside we get in this defensive mode when we when we have to actually listen differently to the people around us when we listen to the culture that criticizes our faith we have to ask the simple question not just oh no how are they criticizing me but we have to ask ourselves ask the people around us and ask ourselves, what are the faith assumptions of the people around me? Mm -hmm. What are the core foundational beliefs that animate their life? You know? Yeah. And when we do that, we can learn to actually point to those areas in their own life. And draw comparisons, so to speak, to help them understand. Yeah. Hmm. That is is a very different and unique way of approaching sharing the gospel or sharing the knowledge of existence of God. Just not necessarily just saying, uh, hey, uh, God exists, he's out there. It's just you start approaching them in a language that they understand Mm -hmm. rather than trying to bring something in new new that they don't even agree from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Start Speak their own language. That is, I think that's something I may try. I haven't... I got a coworker. I try, I'm trying to share with him hmm. about the gospel, and then I make my say say sell, say all these things. But as I say them, I know it sounds insane, and he looks at me, and I know he's thinking it sounds insane. And then when I'm done, he, he looks at me. And he says, "So you actually believe this?" Hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah." Shoot. <laughs> and, and then he's like, "Okay, okay." And you see the smile on his face, and he's respectful. He doesn't make fun. He gives me a chance to share it with him. But I know that there's something wrong with the method that mm-hmm. I'm using. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something I'm going to employ. Yeah. you see, Just starting with faith itself. Yeah. Because the difference is this. Um, 40, 50 years ago, people all mostly assumed that there is a God and that right and wrong 
are a thing, you know? So if you talk mm-hmm. to somebody and say, hey, you know, if you died today and went stood before God, would you go to heaven or not? And most people say, oh, well, probably not because, you know, I, I've lied before and I've stolen and I've cheated, blah, blah, blah. So, but today, that whole Christian foundation of culture and assumptions has eroded. And yeah, so now it's, it's just free for all. People are just living for whatever the heck. So to ask them that question, it doesn't make sense. It, yeah. it, they just, they're just like, I, I, I'm yeah. not tracking, bro. I, if I die today, I'm not going to stand before God. I don't even believe in that. So yeah. whatever. So what you have to ask is actually, um, what are you living for? Yes. What are you, what, what do you, what do you stretch your hand out to reach for? What 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 is the purpose that animates your life? But you know? how, how far do you push that question? I don't want to. I, I I really don't mm-hmm. like making people cornering them to the point. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm really worried to hear someone say, "I don't know what I live for." Like I am. I'm afraid of people responding that yeah. way. So when I ask it, and then I see it, it's going there. I quickly give them a way out. Yeah, and, and I just switch the topic, and I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. So, how far do you push it? Well, how I don't, far are we supposed to go? I think every situation is different. Al Mohler, um, one the, our president of the seminary I, I'm studying at, he says, you know, that's what I do on the plane. He says, I ask the question, "What are you living for?" People answer, and then I ask them, "How's that going for you?" And he says, most of the time, people say, "Oh, not so well." You know, people people are realizing that they're not mm-hmm. th- that their their faith longings are not delivering on the promise now um for me personally i think it really varies on the situation but i think here's the key as a christian you have to learn to today especially to Mm -hmm. point to foundations and now when you when you point to foundations and you say and that person says you know i just i live for my uh you know my my xbox live you know that as you know (laughs) take that worst example whatever it is you, they talk about that. And then you ask the next question, why? On what basis? Like, I mean, I, this is like a mechanical outline, but you point to what, why? Like, out of all the many things you can live for, why that, you know? So I think what you do here as a Christian, and, and the huge thing about the Christian story is this, is that when we point to foundations, we can then point to this simple foundation and to say, to communicate to people that if there is no God who speaks, if there is no God who communicates his truth to us, then everything is lost. Then there's no, there's no really point to anything. But, and here's where a, a, a story like the Bible that unfolds the, the, the truth of a God who has spoken in an external objective clear way that our life is rooted in this faith assumption in the fact that i as a human being i don't make up my own truth i'm always clinging to something outside me and nothing outside of me is big enough to fill me and to give me foundation if not the word of god if there is no god who speaks then 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 there's no point to anything then we're all just evolving creatures in a universe that doesn't care and this question yeah. this this whole question doesn't matter and this conversation doesn't matter and the fact that we both came to work today does not matter. Yeah. So again, you're not going to have that over lunch break. But like <laughs> what you're doing, I, you're pointing to a direction. Yeah. And today, the more people look at their foundation, the more they realize that it's pointless. And the more we as Christians have a unique unique perspective, unique position to say, look, it is pointless. That's true. 
Because if God has not spoken, then everything is pointless. But guess what? God has spoken. And and we know in history, Jesus came. Jesus walked in the dusty uh, plains of of the Middle East 2,000 years ago. He was a real person. And the Bible details that. And the Bible can be tested historically. The Bible can be verified. Yeah. And the Bible makes some crazy claims that are hard to believe. But the Bible is a book that stands on its own. You know? And the fact that we're sitting here talking about these questions of purpose and faith is another proof to the fact that they exist. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't. Yeah. We just wouldn't. So at the end of the day, there is no clean distinction between faith and facts. All facts rest on faith assumptions. And what we as Christians need to be learning to do is to be recognizing that. As we listen to the culture around us, we have to be asking the question, not just, oh, that's so absurd, and that law is crazy, and those people are crazy, and, and just, just be throwing our arms up constantly and saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. We actually have to be asking the deeper question and saying, what is the gospel that they're believing in? What is their good news? And instead of arguing about this or that policy or law, I mean, not to say that Christians shouldn't be in, you know, in the public. Yeah, they, they should. But as Christian individuals, each and every single one of us, we are called to dig deeper and to say, what is your gospel? What is your good news? Because when most people answer that question, honestly, they get pretty discouraged. They realize that their, their whole life is built on running after details. And those details are built on a false foundation. Yeah. Man, that was a good episode. <laughs> that was a good episode. I liked it. More uh, more on this next week. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah, and let us know what you think. Send your ideas and questions through the contact tab at well-said.org or on Facebook at Well Said Words. At Well Said Words, all one word, all lowercase. And if you found this conversation helpful or interesting, share it with a friend, please. And uh, throw up a... Uh, a rating on iTunes, please, because that is the biggest way to support us and keep these conversations going. Another good way is just send the link to your buddies. Mm-hmm. So have a discussion. Get together and even talk about these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. We will uh, talk to you next week. Yep. Bye. <laughs>